Um, we are... We, we are finalizing just a little brief foray that we've had into the life of Joseph this morning. And uh, this, this sermon this morning is called, The Palace is More Important Than You Think. The Palace is More Important Than You Think. So, bef- before I go there, I just want to give you a really quick recap, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, of what we've talked about. The first season of Joseph's life, we said the sermon title was, New Beginnings, New Seasons, and New Dreams. God births something in you, when, and he births something in all of us. He, he formed us before we we're um, in our mother's womb, before we we're a twinkle in our father's eye. But he puts something inside of each one of us that's so unique. And not necessarily just what we're going to do, but who we're going to be. And um, he creates us, and like we've, we've heard this morning, that you're important, that you're valuable, that there's something that only you can do. And this morning, that's one of the things that we're going to explore a little bit more as we've been talking. But new beginnings, new seasons, and new dreams. When God births something in you, there is oftentimes going to be even more resistance than there ever was before when you start to step into the purposes of God. You start to step into that thing which God has called you to, all of a sudden we find the giants that are in the promised land. And we talked about those giants and what they can be. And, and we said not to be fearful of the giants, but to be aware that those things are going to come and be in our path when we start to walk into the dreams, the things that God has placed in us. The week, last week, we talked about tomorrow arrived today. Your tomorrow has arrived today. No matter where Joseph found himself, if it was in slavery, if it was in prison, he was walking to the fullest degree the dreams that God had placed on his heart. There wasn't any circumstance that held him back from walking in the fullest expression of what God had birthed in him to be. And that should be encouraging. And so this morning, we're talking about the palace is more important than you think. What we're really referring to when we say the palace, I'm going to expand upon a little bit later. But it's really just you doing what God has called you to do. That's what the palace season represented for Joseph. That's where God ordained for him to go. And I would submit and suggest to you that the palace doesn't have to be in a palace, that Joseph walked out his palace season in slavery. He walked out his palace season in prison. And so we're going to talk about the palace is more important than you think this morning. Um, But before we do, um, I just want to pray very briefly, and then we're going to jump into it. Father, we just commit this time to you this morning. Lord, I pray that there would be no distractions in this place. I pray that we would be able to focus on you and what your spirit is saying, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're so good. I thank you that you're so amazing. I thank you that you're so wonderful, Father. And we give you glory. We give you all the honor. Mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I always love stories. So I just want to tell you a quick story. I'm going to condense it a little bit just for time's sake. Um, But I... uh, I find stories help connect you to just the things that you're, you're talking about more and more. But I met Angie, and she's here, so it's, she's going to get a lot of looks this morning. I met Angie um, at church, and, and we went to a really big church, and we met in the, – there was a large chapel and there's a small chapel, and we met in the small chapel. She just finished leading worship for uh, a youth group something or other, and she was doing something. And I met her, and I, the first thing I said is, I need to get on that worship team. You know, I need to get on that worship team, and eventually I did get on the worship team. But we, we probably started, you know, hanging out maybe a year and a half later. We, we started dating about a year and a half later. And, um, and that was probably about, it was just after we turned 20 years old. So we've been, we've been together for just, just under 10 years. And so um, at that time, 
there was two things that I knew that I really wanted or that I really just that, that I was living, not for, but that I was really in the zone to do or to be. The first was this, and this was this thing that I still think defines who I am today, or I hope it does, you know, love the Lord your God with absolutely everything, right? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That encapsulated the desire that I had. I wanted to serve God with everything. So does that bass amp. I wanted to serve God with everything. But that's something that I really wanted to do and to, to just be completely, that's what I wanted my life to represent and to live for. And the second thing, I wanted to marry a really beautiful girl. I think most 20-year-old um, young men have that as something that they really want, right? But you know what? I started dating Angie, and then I had this fear all of the time as I was dating her, for whatever reason, that God was going to say, no, I, I don't think you're supposed to be with her. And, and I can't tell you where the fear came from, but it was just something that I'd lived life, and I recognized, how many of you know that life doesn't always go the way that you think that it's going to go? And so I just had that sense that for whatever reason, these two major desires that I had were going to not ever meet, you know, even though I was dating this beautiful girl and I, and it, you know, it was just something that came to me that oh, I just, I would pray every single day, God, please just let me be with her. And I was already with her. I, I just, I didn't even understand. And then it finally came time to propose. And I'm going to save you all the stories, but I did a great job. I wanted to propose to her. I wanted to propose to her where I met her. And so I remembered exactly where she was sitting on the stage when I'd met her. I, put, I, I got permission from the church so that I could go in and I, and I could use the small chapel. And I set the whole small chapel up exactly how it was when I'd met Angie. And, um, and I went in and the kids' church used it, so I had to vacuum it. You know, I spent a couple hours in there preparing it and doing all sorts of things. I, and I put the lights down, you know, like... And just I had some really nice Christian music that was playing in the time. And she was working at the time, so she didn't know what I was doing. And I used to teach guitar lessons and drum lessons. So afterwards, I went and got Angie from work. And I said, I left my wallet back at the church. She didn't see it coming. It was good. But that's not the reason for my story. One of the, the reason for my story is that bef- while I was preparing and vacuuming and doing that, I started to pray for the upcoming marriage. And I'm sure most of you can probably know how it, that prayer started. Lord, please let her say yes. Lord, please let her say yes. You know, like, I think I stayed there for a while. You know, I just, I didn't move from that place. But as I continued to pray, the Spirit of God fell down in that place. And it was powerful. Nobody was more surprised than me that when I started to pray, I just felt the presence of God there in the midst. I was like, God, you must really want me to marry a beautiful girl. You just must really want that. And and I'm going to talk about that later. That's not the reason why the prayer was so powerful. But I started praying. And as I started to intercede for my family, for the upcoming pro- uh, proposal and the marriage and our life. And then I started to pray for my kids. And, and that's when it just amped up to a whole new level. And so this morning, as, as we're talking about the palace is more important than you think. I was going to find out that that prayer was a lot more important than I'd really thought or the sense of what God had put on me. There was something stirring in there. The title of this morning's sermon is The Palace is More Important Than You Think. And, and again, just to define the palace for you, and I've already done it briefly, but the palace is, and I want you to think of this, is, is just the place, and probably more it's a season, 
that you're walking in what God has called you to be walking in and what he's called you to be doing. I think you can be in a physical palace and not be in your palace season. I think you can have all the riches of this world and still not be walking in the fullest of what God has called us to. The palace season can be in prison. It can be in slavery. It can be any place. Just you doing what God has called you to do. You being who God has called you to be to the fullest extent. I think that's what the palace season represents. When Joseph steps into the palace, that's him stepping into the fullest expression of who God called him to be. He was still walking in that expression before, but that's why I'm using the expression the palace this morning because that expresses the fullest expression of who God has called us to be and to step into. And so marrying a beautiful girl for me was, was just one of those things that I'd wanted and I thought was really my palace season, you know? It was just, it was representative of that for me so that when I proposed to Angie, I was stepping into a palace season, but that palace season was going to become so much more important than I think. Another title for this morning's sermon is, Who You Are and What God Has Called You To is So Much More Important Than What You Think or What You Know. So let's jump into this. I'm going to paraphrase the story of Joseph. Like, we're going to fly through these chapters, and I'm just going to paraphrase them really quickly. We left Joseph. He was in prison, right? So Joseph is in prison. A couple of royal folks come down into prison because they've not done something. Uh, they've offended Pharaoh. He interprets some dreams for them. One guy gets killed. Another guy gets restored to the palace. The one thing that Joseph asked of him, can you remember me? He didn't remember him. So Joseph is left in prison for two more years until Pharaoh has a couple of dreams. So Pharaoh has a couple of dreams. No one can interpret them. So he asks anybody, do you know anybody that can interpret dreams? The cupbearer has an epiphany. I forgot Joseph in prison. Let's go get him and pull him out. What does Joseph do? He comes and interprets these dreams for Pharaoh. But I love what Pharaoh says. Pharaoh asks him, he says, I've heard that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And then verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give you a favorable answer. And I love that. And I would be remiss here not to talk just briefly, because this isn't the main thing of where we're going this morning. But the faithfulness of Joseph is, I would submit to you, one of the key foundational points of what helped him remain in the trajectory that he was sent on. He was faithful to God. I mean, he's just left in prison for two years, and his first response when he's saying, do you have a, I've heard that you can interpret these dreams. He said, not me, but God. It's a powerful response. He hasn't, he hasn't gone somewhere else, but I think it's because he's seen the faithfulness of God in whatever season he found himself in. So he who is faithful, we need to be faithful too. And so Joseph interprets the dream, seven years of plenty, seven years of severe famine, and then Joseph says, you need to find a man that you can set up and appoint to make sure that we have plenty in the future. We all know the story. Pharaoh says this, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. We see a repeat here of what we saw last week that no matter where he found himself, 
the giftings and the operatings of who he was were coming to fruition. He was put in charge of the entire land of Egypt, right? We see the repeat of what happened in prison, of what happened in slavery, is now happening in the palace. But I love the reasoning for it. We talked about it last week, so I'm not going to go into it. But what did we say last week? The Lord was with Joseph. The Spirit of God was inside of Joseph. And that same Spirit of God that was with Joseph is the same main character in our lives today. In whom can we find the Spirit of God? And that was Joseph. And that's the reason he was placed into that position. I love that. So I'm going to keep going. So Pharaoh ends up giving Joseph his ring. He gives him the best clothes. He gives him a gold chain around his neck. He gives him a royal chariot. Everybody has to bow before him as, he's, as, as they're coming through. He gets a new name. He gets a new wife from an Egyptian priest. And he was 30 years old at this time. So we know he was 17 when this journey started of, of, of downward pit time. And uh, so Joseph was in the pits, if you will, for 13 years. And so he's now come out. 30-year-old Joseph, he's come out, and he starts saving all this grain. But he gets, he's got everything. He's got all of the wealth that you could possibly imagine. I think we could say that, in reality, Joseph's palace season has come to the fullest degree. It has come in its fullest sense. And before the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Joseph called the firstborn Manasseh. And this is what Manasseh means. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph has more blessings that he's given in two sons. But there's something here in the name of his sons that made me stop. And now the first part of Manasseh means, for God has made me forget all my hardships. How many of you know that's a pretty decent deal that God has made you forget the, the things that, that have made you, caused you to suffer, and, you, and you've, you've forgotten those things. And Joseph has literally, he has a lot of hardships to forget. He was in the, he was in the pits. He was rejected. He was, we, we've, we've talked about that quite a lot. He goes from literally rags to riches. He has no shoes. He gets a, a chariot. You know, he has chains um, for beautiful clothes. And then Ephraim, what does his name mean? For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And not a truer word could be said for Joseph that God has blessed him and has, has released him to do what he's been called to do, probably in the fullest capacity. Joseph is in charge at this time of one of the, the probably the superpower of the world at that time. Joseph is running the country. Pharaoh, Pharaoh just said, you do it. I'm, my hands are off. No one's going to be greater than you. You take care of everything. Joseph was functioning to the fullest capacity of what God had called him to do and to be. And yet, he was still in the land of his affliction. He was still in the place where he had been a slave. He was still in the place where he had been put in prison unjustly. He was still not in the, in the place where his father was. And if you look back at Manasseh, what does his name mean? The second part of his name means, God has made me to forget all of my father's house. God has made me to forget all of my father's house. What does that mean? My jaw dropped when I started looking at that. That means Joseph has forgotten who? His brothers, who, who did him a pretty raw deal. But not just his older brothers, but his younger brother, Benjamin. His, his mother, who's now departed. His father, who loved him more than anyone else. And not only has he forgotten his father, 
But if he's forgotten his father, he's forgotten his grandfather and his great-grandfather, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's forgotten all about. God has made me forget all of my father's house. And what comes with that is all of the promises of his father's house. He's forgotten about them. My jaw dropped when I heard that, when I read that. So even though Joseph has come into his palace season, we see that this is the first precursor, that his triumph is still missing something. So famine comes. Jacob and co., his family say, I love that this line in the Bible made me laugh out loud. Why do you look at one another? He hears about, he hears about the, uh, the grain in Egypt, and he looks at his sons, and they're all looking at one Why are you looking at one another? Go, and, go to Egypt and buy grain that we may live and not die. This is really important, that we may live and not die. So the, the sons go down to, uh, they go to Egypt and they come before Joseph. And they bowed themselves down before him because he was selling, he was the one that you had to go through if you wanted to buy something. They came and they bowed themselves down before him. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Joseph remembered. He had forgotten, but now he's starting to remember the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Remember the name of his first son. He had forgotten all of his father's house. And as his family starts to come back into his life, he starts, the, the memories start flooding back. And now becomes a very interesting interchange between Joseph and his brothers that we're not going to go into um, that, that it goes all over the place, and Joseph and his brothers have this very inter- interesting interaction. But they, the brothers go back, and the father says, you can't go because I'm not going to let Benjamin go back with you, which was Joseph's demand. But eventually what happens again that I want to just pause at, Jacob has to give in because he says, we're going to die if you don't go and take Benjamin back. We're going to die. That's really important. They bring Benjamin back, and as, as Joseph sees Benjamin, and, and he's, he weeps and he has to leave because he's overwhelmed with emotion. But I think this is the moment where Joseph starts to sense that there's something more for him with his father's house. Remember, he was starting to remember. And he's still not convinced, and there's just this interchange that happens with his brothers. But I want to fast forward. Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. It's me, Joseph. And this is what he says to them. Do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve life. The palace is more important than you think. You walking into that which God has for you is a lot more important than you think. So just rewind back to my, my prayer time proposal. Um, Lord, please let her say yes. Lord, please let her say yes. Turned into this powerful time where the Spirit of God was just there, and it was just interceding. And, and the God began to, to show me, just even fairly recently, just why that was so powerful, and he brought it to memory. And it came in the form of not Angie and I getting together, but what us getting together represented was the birth of life. 
was the birth of life, the preservation of life. And the scripture goes on to talk about it. But I just, I want to, you know, names have power. And we just heard Joseph's kids' names, Ephraim and Manasseh. I want to tell you what my kids' names mean, Archer and Bennett. Because Archer was named Archer. Hey, we all know what an Archer is. But his middle name, is, is it's a weird Hebrew name, but it's, it's said Zadok, but we don't say it like that because we think it sounds too Star Trek-y. We say Zadok, Archer Zadok Northway. But Archer Zadok, Zadok, he's, he's from the priestly line in the Old Testament. But what it means is justice and righteousness. And we had such a prophetic picture for Archer that when he was, he was still in, his, in the mother's womb and he was, we were looking for names and we took months and months, but that Archer was going to, he was literally going to be an archer for justice and righteousness. And then Bennett Paulos, his name, his name comes from Matthew 5, 5. Bennett means blessed. Paulos means meek or humble. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. That's what his name means. And Angie had this unction that he was called to the nations in some form or fashion. We don't still know what that looks like. Can I, can I submit to you why the power of the prayer and the, the spirit of God when he showed up when I was praying for, for our, before our proposal was not to fulfill my palace season that I could marry a beautiful girl. The power in that prayer was saying, this represents so much more. This palace season for you, Jesse, of something that you want, that you want to walk in, that I've called you to walk in, means so much more and is so much more important. And I'm not just talking about your physical kids that you have. I want to just keep reading what Joseph continues to tell his brothers. He says, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and keep alive for you many survivors. It was not you who sent me here, but God. I will provide for you so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. It was so, it was so that others may have life that Joseph was submitted into his palace season. Remember, what, what did Jacob and them say a little while ago? They said, God, I need you to come. We need to go to ooh, power. We need to go to Egypt because it's a matter of life and death. Preserve life, preservation of life. God is life itself, and he is the creator. He is the one directing our path, and he is in the business of life. When Jacob heard everything that happened... The Bible says this, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. And I have a question for you this morning. Who is waiting to be revived by you walking in that which you're supposed to be walking in? Who is going to come to freedom because you're walking in that which God has called you to walk into? There is something in you that God wants to birth in you, and it's not just for you. There's something that is stirring that God put in you in the fabric of when we were created that is not just so that you get to enter the palace and you have the ring and you have even, and hear this, Joseph was exercising his God-given gifts, but there was something so much more that he wanted him to do. And it was to preserve life. What life is waiting to be impacted by you walking in the fullest extent of what God has called you to do? And God speaks to Jacob and he says, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt for I'm going to go with you. And he says this, for there I'm going to make you into 
a great nation. We look at Joseph's journey where he's come from. He finally makes it into the palace season, but the palace season is there so that he can preserve life. And can I tell you that it's the biggest lie of the enemy to not be walking in the fullest expression of what he has for you. And it's because he doesn't want to see people come to life. And he contains us, and he's going to put a box around us. And really, we do it ourselves oftentimes. But I'm telling you this morning, if anything is in my spirit that I can encourage you, can you kick that box that's around you and say, I'm going to walk into the fullest expression of what God has for me, not just so I can say I'm in the palace and I have all these things, but so that I can, so that I can be used of God mightily to see people come to freedom. What we want to do, oftentimes it's false humility when we say we don't have the skills and the giftings that are really worth much. Can I say how valuable you are? And can I say it's not just for your benefit. It's for the benefit. Can you just look to the person to your right and your left very quickly? I can guarantee you that you walking in the fullest expression of who you are actually has a lot more to do with them than it does to you. They might be in a place, they might be in their own pit that you're called to call them out of. They might be in so many different arenas. I want you to let God stir in you. What is the gift that he placed in you? Who has he called you to be? Who are you supposed to be impacting today? And then take on the mantle of the founder of our church who was bold with the thing that God had spoke him to do. Amen? I get excited about that. Our story is so much part of a bigger story. The palace is so much more important than you think. You are so much more important than you think. As you step into those dreams, there's going to be big bad giants in the way. They're going to come in the form of, of doubt, of criticism, of, of anger, you name it. And it won't just be yours. The giants are there, but we've been given victory. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. And if we don't believe that, then we're always going to stay walking in the desert. Be bold this morning. Take that on. Tomorrow has truly arrived today, as we were talking about last week. But we need to recognize why tomorrow is so important. The palace is so much more important than you think. I think every single one of us have archers and Bennett's that we're needing to call up, speak into, mentor, train, love, set free. You fill in the blank what God has called you to do. It doesn't have to be your physical children, although I think he, he wouldn't mind you using your giftings to, to minister to your kids. But there are people waiting to be the beneficiaries of your palace season. And it's a life and death situation. Jacob said, what are, you staring, what are you doing looking at one another? Go over there so that we may live and not die. So powerful. Who is your archer? Who is your Bennett? Who are those that you need to call up into their God-given identity? And I'm, I'm going to wrap up. Um, Andy, if you guys just want to come up just to play very briefly um, that, that last song, and we're going to be out of here very soon. God is wanting not just to bless us, but to use us mightily. 
And, and I just want to, I just want to lift you all up in prayer. And then I'm going to, we're going to sing that song, You Give Life, you, You're the Breath in My Lungs, and then we'll be out of here. Um, but if you've been ministered to this at all, I just want to encourage you um, that as we pray, um, just to stand up. And it's, there's something, sometimes we need to do an action to represent what God is doing inside of us. And my prayer for this place is that we walk into the boldness of some of the dreams that have been spoken about this place. That we, we look at the giants and we recognize that there will be giants there. But what we say is, I'm now going to be prepared for the giants because my tomorrow has arrived today. And I'm going to walk in the fullest expression of what God is calling me to right here and right now. Not just to fulfill what he's doing in me, but because there is life that is waiting on the other end of the journey that is waiting to be set free, that is waiting to be delivered, that is waiting to be healed, that is waiting and longing to be revived. So let, let me just pray. And if you've been ministered to, I just would encourage you to, to stand up as we begin to pray and just saying, God, I am stepping into the fullest expression of what you have for me. Father, we just come before you right now, Jesus, and we declare that there would be a spirit of boldness on this place. Lord, I pray that anything that would have bound this place, Father, we just, we speak against in the name of Jesus, saying that what Hudson has birthed, Father God, is powerful. And Lord, we stand aside that powerful vision that he's had from the start. And Lord, we just speak that your presence would manifest itself here in this place. Lord, we ask that we would call your presence down here, Jesus. Lord, even as we started to intercede, Father, when I started to intercede for my sons, Lord, I pray that we would right now begin to intercede for our sons and our daughters in the spiritual sense. Lord, that out of this place there would be birthed something magnificent, something special, not because we are special, Jesus, but because of who you are. Father, I pray that you would release giftings right now, Father. I pray that you would release your mantle of your power right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we speak against the lie that says we are insignificant, Father. Lord, we speak against the lie that says we cannot move, but we speak powerfully, Jesus, that by your spirit, not by strength and not by might, but by your spirit. And Father, we speak that faith would arise this morning. Lord, we release that in the mighty name of Jesus, saying we are going to be bold. We are going to push into the things of God. We are stepping into the fullest of the palace season now because there is life waiting to be released. In the mighty name of Jesus.